The finish line of the EFL Wacky Races is in sight with the Dean Smith machine, the Red Max Power, Prenton Parks, Peter Perfect and others. They all roll into Wembley this weekend for a crash and dash finale. This is the Totally Football League does the Wacky Races show for no other reason than we can. daredevil group of daddy drivers to ever whirl their wheels in the wacky races competing for the title of the world's wackiest racers Playing the role of dastardly and muttley this week, host of every radio show in town, former South End and Carlisle and Stevenage and some small team Arsenal midfielder Adrian Clock. You're actually pulling on your boots in the next couple of hours, aren't you? I am. I'm going to play with Joe Creeley. I'm honoured to have been selected for Joe's team. Um, but Sam Parkin has thrown one in. In footballing parlance. He's so last year because, and you can choose which one of you is dastardly or muttly, from Leeds, <laughs> the Palace, to QPR, lastly residing as coach at Oxford United. Sean Derry's here. Definitely muttly, that's for sure. Really? Yeah, can, can, called worst. Have you got the impression in your locker? <laughs> no. Ah, go on. No, I don't. Oh, well, then get out of the studio, really, <laughs> frankly. Oxford gone happy? Yeah, yeah, I'm happy. I'm content with the decision that was made. I saw everything that I needed to see, really, and in the best possible terms. I wanted to go there and experience what a number two was going to look like, and um, yeah, I enjoyed my time there. It was a good, it was a good year. Talking of number twos, sorry, Joe, I shouldn't have said that. Riding the Boulder Mobile from William Hill, Joe Crilly. I was waiting for Penelope Pit Stop. Uh, 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 oh. Uh, have I jumped the gun? Uh, I'll be the pigeon then. Okay. How do we stop you? Are you flying down the wing tonight in this game with Adrian? Absolutely not. I will be in the least mobile position. I will be sat probably in goal. You'll be playing the Sam Parkin role. Uh, yeah. In the least mobile <laughs> position. That's such. Have we got odds on where Sean goes next? Uh, no. Oh. <laughs> if you have, let me know because I've got no idea myself. <laughs> it's because you're too good at this this media game. That's the problem. Oh, I've got to I've got to sort my life out, guys. That's what I've got to do. If you have a suggestion for how Sean can sort his life out, uh, please do get in Start touch. Start an aircon. That's what my missus is saying. No, I'm, sweepy. I like it. Yeah, okay, for, for those that, that haven't seen you recently. Motley. <laughs> we'll leave it there that red haired dude which is not Sean at the moment has got in touch says Graham Potter has gone from managing Osterson to Swansea and Brighton is this a good fit for the two and how do you expect him to transform Brighton and on that note Paul at Ice With No Lemon nobody be successful at this club he says Swansea while the Americans are here I actually don't blame Potter for going because they haven't backed him in the transfer window already feel sorry for his replacement shall we deal with Swansea Brighton together and Potter going well, and who comes yeah. in next uh, Swansea's loss I think is, is Brighton's gain actually it's a slight gamble from, from them obviously in terms of lack of Premier League experience but the big difference for Brighton will be the style of football won't it because they have been very well organised they've spent a lot of time without the ball mm. the Seagulls and Graham Potter's philosophy at Ossessons and with Swansea was possession based attacking football and he he was very flexible with his formations as well. He won't just be a 4-4-1-1 guy. He will change systems throughout a match. He's very, very fluid. So the Brighton players are in for a massive, massive change. And they will be better to watch. But will it make Brighton more successful? That, I think, remains to be seen. I've seen a lot of Sean saying it's a sad tale for Swansea because he was just getting in control of what he wanted, that formation, changing things up, what he wanted from the players too. And it is, is going to be their loss. Yeah, I think it's a great point that's just been made there. I, I think the problem with 
the movement, what we've just seen in the last 24 hours, is that I think Swansea was expecting him to stay for quite a long time. Yeah. So in terms of giving him a massive budget, I don't think that was at the front of their you know thoughts to start with. I think it was just completely changing the whole environment and the culture of the football club. And then building blocks from there on in. So to lose him after a year is a big loss for Swansea. But again, we talk about a culture and an environment. It's going to be completely changed down at the Amex. It really is. I mean, I think it's a gamble, personally. I do. I think it's a gamble on the basis that he's, whatever he's achieved in the past, he's only been in English football for one year. And to be in the Championship and then go and throw, be thrown into the Premier League is a major difference. It's brave and away from him he was offered a new deal could have stayed there I'm not saying Swansea is likened to to what was going on at Oxford or how things were different but only you as a manager know what's going on behind the scenes and whether he thought he could achieve what he wanted to do at that club also I think when a Premier League football club comes calling it might only come calling once and you've just got to take it with both hands so he's probably looked at that made the decision, I'm sure, with his family around him and just said, this has got to be the next step for us now. It has to be Too now. Too good to turn down. He, he, couldn't, he couldn't have rejected this opportunity, not Graham Potter, because with limited resources for Swansea next year, it, it could have gone well again, but it could easily have gone the other way. And then that chance has gone, hasn't it? And then he's looking down. I, I think for Swansea, I, I fancied them, if he'd have stayed, to have built a team that was ready for the playoffs. I saw a bit of Norwich in Swansea in terms of what he was building there. We with, thought they might nick it this season. He, he was improving players. Yeah. And that, I think, is one one aspect that Brighton will benefit from. He's very good at developing players. And, um, yeah, Swansea needs to be very smart with their recruitment of the next manager. I think it's important that they, they bring in someone that will retain this possession-based philosophy because that, I think, I think is what Swansea are about, isn't it? That's what they're about. I think that's the I think that's the clinicalness of this next appointment. Yes, they've had a number of managers over the past years, but in terms of the philosophy at the football club, they need to they need to employ the right person. I, for me, I think the, the the standout, and it's not been mentioned in 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 too many papers or you know uh, uh, along the threads. And I think it's Paul Tisdale. I think Paul Tisdale would be a brilliant, brilliant suit for Swansea. Right then, Joe, quick look. Who's going where? Swansea odds, Mr Tisdale? Mr Tisdale isn't actually in the list. What do oh. I know? I know nothing about <laughs> <laughs> is, that where, is that where the smart money's well, going? I was going to say. Okay, I, I would imagine he'd probably be about 50 to 1. A name, obviously, and after that this hasn't podcast. been... Uh, after this Once we've all got on, it'll be about uh, five to one. But no, the leading contender is a name that's very familiar in South Wales, Cameron Toshak. Perhaps not the first name, but certainly the second name. Two to one favourite ahead of Gary Monk returning at six to one. Billy Reid, 17 to two. And uh, Gary Rowett and Chris Coleman, both 12 to one. Well, Cameron's the 23s manager there. So, yeah. you know, he's obviously going to know the club inside out. <laughs> you don't need the second name to tell you what, you know, what people in Wales know about him. So it's, um, who knows? We know what you think about it because you threw your pen in the air, <laughs> aiming the, the for Mr. Clark. Swansea tend to make their managerial appointments quite well. They had a couple of cock-ups in the Premier League, but yeah. you tend to think of Swansea as a team who know what they're doing when they're picking managers and not just well-known names as well. Well, Gary Mount going back is a really interesting one, isn't it? I just, I mean, it is, but I'm done with this because you know what will happen is in the next half hour they'll announce who it is and we'll all be stuffed with the podcast. (laughs) Right, let's see who could be joining Graham Potter in the Premier League next. You're listening to the Totally Football League show in association with William Hill. Okay, Villa Derby. One of these teams I picked to be in the Championship playoff final. Um, how's our charity bet going? Is it still me winning? Good. 
I, I can't remember if you said but you did say Villa, no, I didn't Leeds, you? No, I oh, did Leeds, you go? Yeah, I knew that. Yeah. <laughs> so you went Leeds. They're not there. They're not, and and yeah, didn't Derby do well? Wow, what a game that was! What what a turnaround that the kids came of age. I said, didn't they? After that first leg, they looked like a young team. They were they're sort of out out muscled by a more streetwise Leeds team in the first game. But they just took a chance, didn't they, in the second leg? And they went for it. They played with a bit more freedom, boldness, change of system. And I just thought it was a stunning match and a coming-of-age performance from the team and from the manager. I think Frank Lampard, his kudos went up massively, outwitting Bielsa like that. And do you know what? I think they've got a chance of beating Villa, even though... They are 7-0 down on aggregate over the course of the season against Villa. <laughs> He's gone early with the stats. Uh, we'll focus more in just a moment on Derby because we've got special guests coming on. Not that you two aren't special enough, clearly. <laughs> Villa going through, Sean, when you look ahead to this one, what have they got apart from a dynamic midfield in Jack Grealish that, apart from, that's going to win them this? Well, they've got the centre forward at the um, disposal as well, Tammy Abrahams. Yeah. He's been absolutely outstanding. Calm right? as well. Absolutely. He's a clinical finisher. And it was interesting that he turned down Wolves at the end of last season to stay with Villa. Because I think probably knowing he perhaps wouldn't get a chance at Chelsea at any stage, mm. he's probably thinking, what's my best way of getting into the Premier League with a fantastically big football club? Well, that's Villa. And they are a huge, huge team in the um, in the championship. Learn a lot from last year as well with the way that they lost against Fulham. I think they'll gain experience and confidence on what not to do. You know, they, not too many Villa players turned up last year. The one person who did turn up mind was Jack Grealish. Yeah. And for me, he's my favourite championship player. He's just a top player. And he has to be in the Premier League next year. I'm sure he wants to be in the Premier League with Villa. But if he's not... I'm sure one of the top four are going to come knocking. That's I a sucker that punch, good? isn't it, really? If if he's not there with Villa, he's going. Yeah, this is the game that decides Grealish's future. Win, and he'll he'll stick with Villa, and he'll be their, their talisman in the Premier League. Lose, and he will be sold, I think. Abraham has been brilliant. But I'll tell you what, over that two-legged semi-final, he didn't play well. I just thought that he was carrying this injury, this shoulder problem. Now, has he had long enough for it to recover? Because if he's fully fit, mm. he, he has the capability to, to bully Keogh and, and Tamori. And he did that actually in the game that they won 4-0 at Villa Park. He absolutely <laughs> destroyed the pair of them. But I don't think he's coming into the final 100%. And that is my one worry for Aston Villa. If he's not firing and if they can shackle Grealish... What else is there? There's the McGinn pile driver, isn't there? There's, there's, there's El Ghazi being busy out wide. But I do think there's a big big old reliance on those two. That abraham Keo battle then and, and Grealish Mount, where else do you see this one being won and lost? Tactically, I really do. I think Dean Smith's got a, a system and a style of play that he's very consistent with. Mm. You know, he plays the 4-3-3, plays it really well. But what we've seen Frank Lampard do is change his system, especially over the semi-finals. You know, he was very shrewd at the second leg at, at Ellen Road. So I think tactically it comes down to two managers. What I will say, whoever does get promoted into the Premier League, to have another British manager in the Premier League is outstanding. It really is, you know, as a, as a younger manager myself, to see some of your peers performing on that level is, is brilliant. And as much as, listen... You know, I love Leeds United, I do. But like I've just said there, to see a to see a British manager in the Premier League is brilliant. They'll both be managing in the Premier League, won't they, next year? Well, <laughs> uh, possibly. 
<laughs> Possibly. <laughs> Saying nothing. But yes, it's the hardest route, though, apparently, if you don't go through with your club promoted. It's the hardest route. <laughs> yeah, look, yeah, we're Lampard Street. We're going to get to Derby, I'm sure. But but yeah, no, on, on, on Dean Smith's been brilliant, hasn't he? So no, it's going to be interesting. I, I do think the midfield battle will be, will be really key. Villa have not been very good at tracking runners all no. season long. They've not got very good legs in there. He's got a choice, hasn't he? Whelan, who's the... He could be more of a stopper. He could do a job potentially on Grealish, but he's slow. And you've got Hurahan, who's more, a much more energetic player, but is he, is, he, is he more suited to an attacking role or, or a box-to-box role? I think he probably is. So there's a bit of a weakness there. And what have Derby got in midfield? Mason Mount, Harry Wilson, guys like this that will... Tom Lawrence, potentially, from central areas, that will run off midfielders. So that is a problem, I think, for Villa ahead of this game. That was kind of the working out for, for what you just said, Sean, about that. They can change things up, though, Derby, and, and that ability just to re-question Villa when it counts. But I think for both teams, I think the importance to this is, and I've made this point over the last few days, is they both look really strong when they've got their A game. Their A game oh, yeah. is playing on the front foot. Yeah. I don't I don't fancy either of them when they revert to a you know a, a deeper block because I just don't think that they've got that in their locker. They've not been able to get results that way this year. So what is it? 170 million to get into the Premier League and sometimes you feel like you've got the shackles on you because of, you know, mm. what's achievable. But I'd hate to see this game on Monday played with the shackles on both teams. It'd be great to see an open game. They can't worry about all that going on in the background because you look do. at what it could they mean with financially with the wage bills that they both got, how it could affect them if they don't win that 170-odd million. Right, let's get a Derby eye view and speak to Guyana head coach and former Ram Michael Johnson. Hello. Hi, Michael. It's Caroline here from the Totally Football Show. Hi, Caroline. You okay? I'm very well, thank you. You okay to talk to us? Yeah, no problems at all. Brilliant. There's a couple of people you might know in the studio, uh, apart from Joe Crilly from William Hill. I'm sure you all know him. Uh, Adrian Clark's <laughs> yeah. here. Hello. Hello, Michael. Okay. Hi, Adrian. How are you okay? Yeah, yeah, good. Thanks, mate. And Sean Derry's yeah. here as well. John, I'll just tell uh, everyone, have you got your jeans on what we went to Malia with about 15 <laughs> years ago? <laughs> Are you supposed to keep that quiet, Bob? <laughs> <laughs> I want to know about these jeans. I'll tell you about oh, I'll the jeans story. It was a long time ago. <laughs> what were the jeans like? Oh, if you go yeah. to a restaurant and you see a menu, yeah. picture the menu on the front of a pair of jeans, John. Please, f- please, can we move on? Please? <laughs> <laughs> I like hey, how you're swerving what you were wearing, Sean. Oh, no, don't have a go at me, John. I... I they were the flavour of the month at the time, put it that way. That's all I'd say. <laughs> Hence why they're based on a menu, the flavour of the month. <laughs> hey, I know you're emotionally attached to those jeans, but emotionally attached to the playoffs too. Oh, gosh, what did you make when, when Derby went through? It was a really exciting night. I mean, you're 2-0 down, you're way at Ellen Road, 40 minutes gone. You kind of look at it and go, OK, you know, we've this far. And then, lo and behold, we, you know, Frank does a substitution and changes tactics as well and literally obviously first touch for Murray it's in the back of the net and then all of a sudden you get a little bit of belief and you come out second half the half time team talk now changes you come out second half and obviously we get that goal and then all of a sudden the tie changes you know we're the one that looks like we're going to win and obviously the sending off helps and then uh, you know obviously we, we go and see it out and it's, it's a great night it's one of the best championship you know games that I've been involved in and seeing as fans of 
you know, of up and down the country have said it was absolutely fantastic to watch. Jono, talk us through the impact that Frank Lampard's made, not just for the football club, but for the city in general. We know he's only been there for the one season, but it seems from the outside that, you know, he's really got the whole city together. If you if you go back, you know, start of the season, obviously we're left, you know, Gary left, Rowett left at the time and you're kind of unsure and, and then, you know, there's the build-up to the World Cup and then all of a sudden, you know, you've got a, a manager who's, who's played at the highest level of English football, who's got so many caps for England, is now on, you know, the BBC One channels with the World Cup build-up preview shows talking about Derby County. And at that point, you start to hear and start to see your social media presence and everybody starting to look in about Derby County just because he's now commenting about the probability of him joining Derby County. So straight away, there was an impact. And then he comes in and obviously season tickets start to sell and, you know, the buzz around the city. And then the question is, can he do it in his first season? And I think his first season has been nothing short of fantastic, not just in terms of points on the board, qualification for the for the playoffs, but also the manner in what we've done it, the kind of flair, the players that he's brought in, you know, Tamori, you've got Harry there, you've got Mason there. There's there's been you know a real impetus on youth now coming from so for him it's been fantastic. For the club it's been fantastic and obviously for the city as a whole, you know, everybody's buoyant now, the flags are in and around the city and regardless of what happens, Desert. You know, this has been a real, real fantastic season for the for the club. It's been absolutely amazing. I, I loved the the video in the dressing room with Lampard singing the Stop Crying <laughs> yeah. Frank Lampard song with all the boys around, and yeah. that showed, didn't it, how close he is to the team. And there's a real bond, obviously, yeah. between them. He's a young manager. I think it's something that obviously Bielsa would never have been able to do, but the older managers would never have that kind of relationship, would they, with with the players? So, what does he do then in this playoff final? Does he go bold again? Does he play two up top? Does he play this diamond, or does he revert back to what's got Derby there? throughout the course of this season because I'm thinking if, if Waggon's fit surely he'll play but then it's it's very difficult to leave Jack Marriott out isn't it he's got a real conundrum up top hasn't he yeah but as Des would know it's a nice problem for a manager to have you know what you want is your you know real key players all fit and ready that's the first thing that you do want I don't know the way he's going to go and even if I did know the way he's going to go I probably <laughs> wouldn't say it because <laughs> you don't want to give no clues away but Whatever he, whichever way he goes, you know, you're going to have players who are willing to run through brick walls because we all understand as a club the importance of this game. You know, Derby County is a big club and it's been out outside the top you know, level of the English game for far too long. So the the enormity of the task is there. We know that Aston Villa are a great opponent. You know, fantastic season themselves, especially after Dino's gone in there, really revamped. Aston Villa, so it's not going to be easy. So it's going to be a really tough game. But whatever formation, whatever team Frank puts out, I know for a fact that this could give 100% to try and get in the Premier League next year. Michael Johnson, former captain at Derby, former proud jeans wearer. I mean, I should hope he's still wearing jeans apart from that. He's done brilliantly. What about a double act, seeing as you two get on so well? Management? Do you know what? He's, he is a real... Real good guy. He's a Derby man through and through, and he's, I know he's got good relationships with everybody connected with the city too. So he'll be looking forward to the playoff final, and he'll be 
he'll be backing them massively. You spoke, Adrian, about that that song and the video from the dressing room. You saw in that minute everything that he's achieved, Frank Lampard, with that young team, all behind him, all being part of it too. Yeah, he did, yeah. I mean, it's easy. most dressing rooms would be buoyant after the yeah, second half that they would produce, so, so I wouldn't but really see much the, into the, it. But making him the focal point as I well. I just think the fact that he was he was prepared to muck in, he was taking yeah. the mick out of himself, he was doing the actions, wasn't he? And he, he, when you see Frank Lampard after big wins this season, he's he's always gone over to the supporters and done this whole jumping up and down thing, hasn't he? And the fans have been jumping. Bob, Yeah, bouncing. Yeah, I guess that's what it is. That is what jumping up and down is, isn't it? Bouncing. <laughs> You're right. Um, so There's that's the title for the podcast. <laughs> so yeah, this this bouncing uh, thing that they do, but it just pulls him c- closer to the supporters. Yeah. And, and look, if he if he if he does get off of the Chelsea job, and if he does go, I think he'll go with uh, good wishes. But but maybe that won't happen. Joe Crilly from William Hill. Then <laughs> odds on who wins this one, or you can give me odds on Frank Lampard to Chelsea. <laughs> but let's not go there yet. Villa are slight favourites to win this. It's. Either side of even money, so Villa eight to thirteen, so just a shade shorter, and Derby five to four to go up. Two fantastic managers, two great stars of play. Hopefully, we'll see some some brilliant players in there too. Who nicks it for you, Sean? Yeah, I think Villa Villa just nick it for me. I think yeah. they just take the edge on the game. Like I said, the experience of last season will stand them in good stead. But I, I just hope it's a fantastic game of football. You know, two great teams. Yeah, Villa are the better side. They have been for for most of the season. They should win, but in Derby they've got they've got match winners. Wilson's left foot has that got one more part to play? I wonder. I just got a feeling that Derby might might turn up on the day and really go for it and and make it a second successive miserable trip to to Wembley for Villa. It kind of does have the whiff of everything we said ahead of the semi-finals with Derby and then look at what they Mm. went and did. Monday the 27th for the Championship playoff final. Bit of other Championship news. Pulis not staying at Borough. We kind of touched on that last week. West Brom aren't signing Gale. Money, money, money. Barry Morrison aren't going to be kept on the shortlist. We mentioned Danny Cowley, Chris Hutton as well, apparently for the the West Brom job. No, I think you're going to get probably the same candidates for for the jobs that are available in mm. both the championship clubs. I'd be very surprised if Danny and Nicky Cowley leave Lincoln. I think they're looking forward to the League One just to gain a little bit more experience in their in, in their young careers. Yeah, I think it's yeah. education for them all the way. Isn't, isn't it? it interesting that the, the two favourites for that job, the Cowley brothers and, and Hewton, are more renowned, I guess, for, for... OK, I don't want to say an unattractive brand of football, but they're not known for the, the, the pure, adventurous style of football, are they? And that's how West Brom wanted to go this mm-hmm. season and then they kind of decided ah, it's not for us is it so so that they were very defensive I thought in the in the playoffs almost worked for them and and it, you get that feel that whoever does take charge will be uh, that type of manager I guess going they back to promotion back to Pulis back to back to efficient football rather yeah. than uh, bold every day of the week you'd have stinking rotten football if it got your promotion wouldn't you well I would I mean we've got a bit of both stinking rotten football and no promotion odds on anything to do with West Brom Joe? Danny Cowley's actually odds on to get the West Brom job although I do agree I think uh, he, he probably would be served uh, better continuing his not quite apprenticeship but uh, his, his burgeoning career at Lincoln Chris Hewton second favourite five to one so quite some way back uh, with Michael Appleton seven to one third favourite into League One we go then. 
Make this an every Saturday super with the Super Saturday Reloaded coupon from William Hill, available in all William Hill branches across the UK. With more prizes on offer than ever before, your new Super Saturday competitions offer you the chance to win a share of £1 million and some additional extra goodies specific to your region. All you have to do is select the number of goals, corners and cards across three selected football matches. Super Saturday football and racing competitions are free to enter when you bet £10 at your local William Hill. T's and C's apply. You can find out more at williamhill.com. And remember, when the fun stops, stop. Charlton Sunderland. Charlton made their way to Wembley via Doncaster. Another dramatic one. 4-4 on aggregate. 4-3 on penalty. Sunderland, a little bit easier. Travelling to Fratton Park, a goal up after the first leg. Team were a goal up thanks to Chris Maguire. No goals scored after 90. Um, Portsmouth with the Black Hats going through to Wembley. So we have a repeat of that. 1998 second tier playoff final when Charlton beat Sunderland 7-6 on penalties. Uh, Before we get all of your views... Here's Johnny Jackson, assistant to Lee Boyer at Shelton. First up, congratulations. How's the heart since the semi? Just about recovered. <laughs> uh, crazy, crazy night. Emotions up and down. Heart rate through the roof. Yeah, it just took a while to recover, but we're back in training now, so got to settle down and uh, get back to the hard work. How's it been then this week, the, the run up to it? Well, it's been sort of stop start really from from Friday. We've you know we've had to give the lads a couple of days off uh, recovery, so we're sort of back in today to start the real the real build up work. We'll start today. I think we're trying to get everyone to sort tickets out and get get all the distractions out of the way early part of the week, so we can just make it as normal as possible leading into that game and, and prepare exactly how we would if if it was a league game. Uh, do our homework on Sunderland, obviously, and work on their strengths and weaknesses and, and just try and prepare the team with as few distractions as possible. Where do you think you can exploit them then? Well, I can't tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> but um, like, like, every, like every team, they've got strengths and weaknesses. I've seen a lot of them this year. Myself and Lee went down to the Portsmouth game, the second leg. So we saw them live there, obviously watched the first leg and, and have played them twice already. So we'll be... You know, we'll be looking at them closely and we'll be working on, on, on the stuff that we normally work on as regards our opposition, but I can't let too much out of the bag. <laughs> you, you say yourself and Lee, we're going to play that game now where I'm going to ask you a question and you're probably going to straight bat it back to me. But I imagine you both have talked about your jobs for next season and what will happen. When do you think you'll find out? What might change anything with regards to going up or, or staying in the same league? Yeah, I mean, of course we'll about private conversations it's only natural but I mean that, that comes into preparing for next year as well obviously we, we're preparing a pre-season we're preparing recruitment and have been for, for a number of months now and that will continue you know, regardless of the contract situation so as far as that goes recently honestly it's been it's been on the back burner there's just there's so many sort of other things to worry about at the moment you know we've Obviously, at the end of the season, then the playoffs to prepare for, and now the final. So, you know, after Sunday, yeah, maybe we'll sit down and have more of a chat about it. Then. But really, at the moment, it's it's sort of a, a side note because there's more important things to worry about here in this coming week. Is that how you've had to deal with this season? Just just make the stuff off the pitch just not relevant in a way. Yeah, that's that's all we do. But I mean, just control the controllables. What what are we capable of? Um, 
of affecting. We're capable of affecting training and the team that we put out on a Saturday and getting results and putting bums on seats. You know, we see that effect that we can have as a staff. We work hard every day, try to achieve that. The other stuff is out of our hands a little bit. So it's almost pointless to to fret about it and, and to get stressed and, and waste energy on it when you can't really control it. As the dust settles after the uh, after the final, I'm sure there'll be discussions and, and we can move forward positively. If not, promotion's a pretty good thing to have on your CV anyway. Let's put that to one side for a minute. What's that relationship like with Lee? How does it work on a kind of day-to-day basis? And when you're at Wembley, who takes the front foot? How does he listen to you? How, how will that work? Well, Lee takes the front foot because he, he's the manager. Ultimately, he's, he's, he's the boss and he has, he has final say on everything. But everything we do is... Uh, is a team is a team sort of decision between Lee, myself, Andy Marshall, the goalkeeper coach, and the rest of our staff. I mean, we was thrown together, really, to be honest, me and Lee. But it's just worked. You know, we get on great. We found a way of working together, sort of almost straight away. And obviously, you know, every day that goes past, we're getting to know each other better and and the way that we work. And, and I think the, the feeling around the club, I think having two sort of charter men, if you like, at the helm. Um, has helped bring back that that relationship between players and fans and and sort of unite the whole club and he's the the figurehead of that Lee and you know it's credit to him to for what he's been able to do for, for the football club in the short time that that he's been in so long may it continue yeah that's that's evident just just before we let you go Frank Lampard was saying about the different feeling getting Derby to Wembley to to when he was a player for you. With Lee leading that team out at, at Wembley, what's it going to mean given all your history with the club and everything that's gone before? It's yeah, it's going to be an unbelievably proud moment. I I never got to play at Wembley as a player, and it was you could say it was one of the the small regrets I've got about about my playing career is that I never got that opportunity as a player. So for me, this is the next best thing. Having only been coaching for about eighteen months now, to get the opportunity to be part of a, a team going to Wembley, obviously with with you know, a team that's close to my heart as well. It's gonna be a really proud moment and obviously if we can if we can finish the GDF with a promotion, it'll be doubly special. But yeah, I can't I can't wait. I really can't wait. I've looked forward to this moment for a long time. Johnny talking about the private conversations that he's had with Lee with regards to next season. Of course he's not gonna tell us what's happening. But to have that on your C V, if he takes or if they take Charlton up, everyone will come for them, won't they? I mean, to watch that semi-final last week, to see the valley bouncing the way it was, I mean, oh. we've not seen that for years, have we? No. It was absolutely amazing. And I'll tell you who's been amazing. He's the manager. Yeah. Lee Bowie has really galvanised the whole community, the whole football club, pushed to one side the problems off the field with the ownership. That's not, me- it's not been mentioned too many times this year. So to get themselves into the playoff final and um, to play the... Again, we talk about styles of play. You know, they adopt a, a diamond formation and do it very well. Got an out-and-out goal scorer in Lyle Taylor. Joe Aribo sat in the number 10. You know, he's a, he's a good player, more than a good player at yeah. League One level. You know, again, you talk about Grealish needing to be in the Premier League next year. The likes of Lyle Taylor and Joe Aribo, they need to be in the Championship next year. Out to, of contract to, in the summer as well. Well, that's the that's the challenge for them and that's why these games are... 
they're so intensely fierce, aren't they? Yeah. I mean, it's incredible. He's, he says about controlling the controllables and, and for him to go out, Johnny, to go out at Wembley too, having not played there, what it will, will mean to him. But the experience that they've had this season, where they've been this season, thought they might sneak an automatic as well. They've got to be favourites for this one. Who's got to be favourites? John. John, do you think? Yeah. I don't know. Sunderland have been incredibly hard to beat, haven't they? I, I, I would say it's a genuine 50-50 final. I don't, I yeah. don't think there's one clear favourite. Is that because I've picked Charlton? Yeah, maybe. Uh, no, on, on Bowyer and Jackson, they've, they've done great. Mm. Cast your mind back to the opening match of the season. Sunderland away. They couldn't fill the bench. No. They could not fill the bench. They had five of the seven. So they, they had two empty spots. They were in a rotten place. And where they've taken them throughout the campaign through good, good recruitment, excellent coaching, good uh, spirit within the dressing room is impressive. The, the recruitment's been good. They've picked good loan players, haven't they? Bielik from Arsenal was a great selection. Could obviously do both jobs, defence or holding midfield and colouring in midfield. So, so yeah. And, and remember, they lost. Both teams, actually, have lost strikers, haven't they, this year? Yeah, Carlin um, Grant was yeah, a big loss. Yeah. Carlin Grant was a massive loss. But so was Josh Madger for, for Sunderland. Let's face it, I don't think Wyke or Grieg has really filled those those boots yet. So, so I think both teams have done terrifically well to get to this point. And I think it is genuine 50-50. I think Sunderland, when we talk about the Valley being rocking, Sunderland will take everyone down to watch this at Wembley. I know they've had a fairly recent trip to Wembley. But... Well, we thought they, they thought they'd fill up the stadium in life for the playoff. Yeah, the but we said there's probably reasons behind that, given the, the ownership, what was going on at, at the time. But you would go and watch this one, wouldn't you? Yeah, of course you would. Yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just toying with you, Karen. I'm sorry. <laughs> just, like just messing, you. just messing. Uh, <laughs> no, and and obviously they got they got to put right the wrongs of the defeat in the Checker Trade Trophy final. Sunderland, Jack Ross has found a way. I think his recruitment was good, wasn't it? With yeah. power and Leadbitter to come into that midfield alongside Catamol. I mean, you're not going to get much more experience. Let, let, let's, let's just mention just Grant Leadbitter for one minute. You know, for <laughs> I mean. What what a man! What a man to you know to play only twenty four hours after the you know the dear loss of his yeah. um, mother wasn't it? it was his mother and he'd lost, I mean he's lost both parents yeah. and he, you know that that is just more than football for me. Yeah, it really is. You know you got to take your hat off to people like that, and I think that would have been a real tough decision for the manager. You know the day before when he hears of that news. But to put his trust into his players and for the player to go and put in a performance at Fratton Park the way that he did, mm. and then obviously find himself in the playoff final it just means everything to him as an individual and to his family as well and it's just again set up for one of these major days at Wembley I'm kind of shifting my view now which I won't but I do want to I, I think you're right Sunderland might nick it that's probably not what you're saying but I, no, I imagine that way I think Charlton got the best striker on the pitch in Lyle yeah. Taylor Arebo I definitely agree is, is a talent but and and Sunderland's best player, McGeady, we don't know if he's going to be fit or not, do we? So, I mean, I've played with injections, not into a broken... Well, it says a broken bone in his foot. I've had a broken toe before and played with injections. And let me tell you, it, in the days when I played, they used to wear off after about an hour. But you're a hero. Yeah, I am. Um, but, you know, I don't know what McGeady's uh, pain threshold is like compared to mine. But, but no, no, in all seriousness, it's a hard thing to play yeah. with. And... Um, I, I wouldn't expect him to, to be as prominent as he probably should be. On a be. broken toe, by the way, I'm going to yeah. share a story yeah. here. I had a broken toe for a whole season at Leeds Is United it? and we had to wear suits. 
right? When and you I, were playing? When we were playing yeah. home and away, we had to wear these suits. And I couldn't get my shoe yeah. on, yeah. so I bought a pair of Birkenstocks. <laughs> with socks? <laughs> like a proper German, you know, I was like bowling in with my long hair and my band, yeah. And I played in the playoff final, and it was at, um, not at Wembley, it was down, edgy, though, it was down yeah, at yeah. Cardiff, and I turned up, and there was a, I, I think my wife took a photograph, and I just looked like an absolute <laughs> I really did, um... It was a little tight, weren't we, big time? So it was all right. So you looking like an umpty then, something regular for most of us <laughs> this week. Not you, Sean, as we've already discovered. Uh, context, by the way, is everything. In 1998, for that second-tier playoff final, the Tampera featuring Maya... Feel It was number one in the charts. Deep Impact topped the film charts and just over 3,000 episodes of Neighbours have been aired on British TV. I got an autograph from Bounce of the Dog the other day. That's a true story. Where does this one go, odds-wise, Joe Crilly? Deep Impact is the reason that I've never seen Armageddon, by the way. Really? <laughs> yeah. Why? Because they came out at the same time and I went to the cinema to watch Deep Impact. And couldn't afford to go and see Armageddon? And, and no, I was just like, well, they're two films about meteors. I can't be bothered to go and watch the next one. Oh, you're missing out. I don't know if you're missing out because I've not seen either. <laughs> uh, how does this one go, though? Yes. Clarky said a real 50-50. Mm. I don't know if he's been looking at the odds before the game because it is a real 50-50. Both teams are the same price to win promotion. Charlton 10 to 11. Sunderland 10 to 11. Kevin Bond's remaining a South End boss. That's good. Yeah, he did a, he did a good job. I, I wanted to hear. Yeah. Into League Two, then. No predictions. Oh, we've already done them. <laughs> So demanding. <laughs> well, you said it's 50 50. Wow, someone's got to win, though. Do they? Yeah, and it might go to penalties again. It will. It, yeah, I think it might. I think both teams to score, topsy turvy encounter, but Sunderland to nick it, their greater experience to, to make them come good. I wish he wasn't a radio presenter. I really wish he wasn't. Sean? I'm going to flip it. I'm going to go for a Charlton win. Thank you. I think we're going to see a lot of goals, though. Mm. I'm really optimistic it's going to be. Um, a completely open game. So 3-2 Charlton after extra time. And four hours later, we go to League Two. The Offside Rule Weekly Chinwags have returned. After travelling around the country speaking to the great and good in the beautiful game, we're back in a comfy studio ready to bring you a weekly dose of what's happening in football. People would think, oh, Beth Mead, is that a cross-come shot from the flank? Can I say from the off, I don't get how the beer taps work. Coburn Laidside is the club that my granddad supported, so I just kind of latch on to them. Yeah. And we were hey, taken you can't have any more teams anyway. I know. You've already got Middlesbrough and Manchester United. And Real Madrid. We'll be ready for you every Friday morning to kickstart your sporting weekend. So that's the offside rule out every Friday morning. You can get involved by subscribing now on your preferred podcasting app. Tranmere Newport, we did talk quite a bit about this last week, siding maybe with Newport, I think, overall, but <laughs> you just did that face, Sean. That face when you saw the jeans of uh, Michael Johnson. Only to say you've you've gone with Newport and so have I. Oh. I've, I've gone with Newport too. Uh, we talk about the centre forwards for the League One games. Centre forwards on show in the, in the League Two games as well. Mm. Norwood for, for Tranmere. Probably his last game before he potentially heads off to Ipswich. The two for the two centre forwards for for Newport are, are everything what Newport are about, aren't they? Get it up there really quick, bounce off each other with Armand and Jamil Matt. So, um, have I given my prediction too early? Probably no, no. This this Newport team though, they do seem to be like a team you'd want in a playoff final. Well, they are, and what they, what Newport have always been, they've been the the team that have had nothing. 
They've yeah. got no training ground. The budget's low. Respectfully, they can't really attract a lot of the top players. So how do you get success from a different way? And that's grabbing hold of the team and the community and the spirit and just us against the world. And that's how they play the games. So I, you know, I can't see any difference the way that they're going to approach this cup final at the weekend. It yeah. feels like that's a, a chat you may have given or heard at Oxford a couple of times. Well, I mean, I've had to give that chat two or three times before. Yeah, of course, you know, no training ground. Oh, yeah, no yeah. problem. Well, we'll, we'll get in our cars and we'll drive around and we'll try and find a patch of grass. Is there a point at which that doesn't work, that us against the rest of the world? It does, yeah. You know, being honest, you know, that's something that is very, very difficult to grab hold of the players and keep them engaged, especially mm. if you've got no home. You know, if you've got no home every day, listen, the, the ground comes to life every 10 days, doesn't it? You yeah. Know, you play at your home ground every 10 days, but you need a training ground and they haven't had one. I mean, I think they're at Cardiff City's ground this yeah. this week, uh, sharing their facility, which will help them because they'll have a proper pitch to play on yeah. on Saturday. Definitely, yeah. No, it's not ideal. It's only so long you can put up with that and, and the players, you need to be successful, don't you? And the minute you stop being successful, then players think, oh, you know what, I don't need this. I don't need the hassle of this anymore. I want to go somewhere a bit more professional, I suppose. But there's nothing unprofessional about Flynn. He's a really good manager. Got them going, hasn't he, this season? And that's so hard to beat. Stat of the day, I think, or my stat of the day, is on Newport County. Okay, you know I like the first goal scorer sort of, uh, not market, but when they score first, Newport are unbeaten this season. They've had 18 wins and one draw and no defeats. That's the best in the division by by miles. So in 19 games where they've gone 1-0 up, they've got a goal difference of 35-7. to So... Newport score first at Wembley, then Tranmere are right up against it. And I looked at the two meetings earlier on in the season, nil-nil and a 1-0 win for Newport. So, oh, so um, what about if they score first in a penalty shootout? <laughs> <laughs> well, look, if Tranmere score first, then it's a, different, it's a different matter, of course. But Newport are exceptional front-runners, so um, that's uh, something to take note of. Mickey Mellon seems the kind of manager I'd like to play for as well. I think he'll, he'll, I mean, he'll get Tranmere going. It will. I mean, if he gets back-to-back, promotions uh, he'll get the freedom of the city won't yeah. he? he really will I mean he's just been and is a fantastic manager yeah. he's had a number of successes as well so but again you know you go into these games and it's you need a bit of luck on the day of course you do you do need a little bit of luck but you need your big players to turn up and that's the key to these games you can't be carrying anybody into these um, into these cup finals and I think if you know Norwood Jamil Matt and Patrick Armand all turn up Again, I think there'll be a lot of goals. Just to warn you, in a moment we are going to have our Alan Hardy is um, not someone we'd like to share a pint with chat. So prepare if either of you want to leave the studio at this this point. But I'll be odds, oh, good. Uh, odds, odds on this one, Joe. Tramir are slight favourites, but only just. Again, all really, really tight. Tramir eight to eleven. Newport even money. Would I like to ask your opinion? Yes, I would, Adrian. <laughs> yeah, Newport to nick it, probably 1-0 or uh, into into extra time, but it's, it's going to be close. Can they shackle Norwood three games in a row? He didn't score in any of the two league meetings. I spoke to Mickey Mellon, by the way, on the radio this week, and I said that he should get Dave Challoner, obviously the former Tranmere manager, now at AFC Five, getting back to training this week to chuck some throws into yeah. the box to practice. And he sounded interested in that in that theory, so we'll have to wait and see what happens. But, but yeah, I think Newport to just about nick 
like it. We had a manager that every time there was a, a long chucker coming, he used to, because de- we've got a running track around our ground at, at Chelmsford, he used to deliberately set up some trip wire so that they couldn't do the, the long run. So if you're going to do it, you had to hurdle that and then do the chuck. Anyway, an aside, that gave you time to think. Yeah, sure. yeah I'm going um, to go 2-1 Newport. I think there'll be um, extra time. We're all going Newport for this one, but I think we'll all be a bit happy if Tranmere go up too, right? Oh, yeah, there's not, not much not to like about them. Everyone's a winner. Not much to like. Oh, that's There's a phrase. Not fra- much not to like. Yeah, but I was going not much to like. That's a phrase we might hang around Alan Hardy's neck at the moment. He said this week about taking over at Notts County, a, a club you know well, Sean, and have known well throughout your career. Yeah. It was a 51-49 call, and I've just got to come down on the side of regretting it. It's been a horrendous six months, the worst of my life. On paper, it cost me £35 million, and I've had this conversation with my wife many times. She's not happy. She didn't want me to buy County in the first place. Notts County, Alan Hardy, he regrets it. Do you regret him coming in? I think he's brought nothing but embarrassment on the football club, both on and off the pitch. I think his decisions as chairman have been selfish. I think it's all about him. And I think, you know, his actions off the pitch have been a complete and utter embarrassment. Mm. I'm a Notts County fan. I played my first game for them on my 10th birthday and left when I was 20. And obviously going back 17, well, 15 years later and managing the club and uh, having a great time there, enjoying what is a brilliant football club in a fantastic city. To see them out of the league now, and it's down to one man in my eyes, and it's down to Alan Hardy. Back in front of the High Court on June the 5th to face their winding up petition. That's over an unpaid tax bill. He says he's accepted an offer to buy the club from a very credible party but the takeover yet to be completed life in the national league awaits them if you're a fan as you clearly are sean what do you do i mean that's there's the talk of whether a new club set up by the the fans how they go forward but at the moment you're sat there thinking we have no power well they don't unfortunately and that's the clinical side of being a, a football fan you know the power's in the hands of the ownership and you just only hope as a Notts county fan that there is a a respectable new owner that's prepared to just settle the ship. Mm. It's been a, it's just been a quite a joke, you know. That yeah. it started off for me with the with the sacking of Kevin Nolan. I mean, every manager deserves a chance to get through some sort of rocky time, and it was. He had so many games left to get himself through that period. Mm. You know, I think he got sacked after seven games, or there are there. And he had told me he looked me in the eye at the playoff semi final and said. I've said, mark my words, Kevin Nolan will manage England one yeah. day. He's, he's a sensational coach. He will manage England. I said, whoa, that's a big, that's a big call. He, he said, he's that good. And literally seven games later, he fired him. It was an incredible decision. I mean, it was, out of all the sackings that we've, you know, and some of them have been bizarre, haven't they? Let's get it right. I mean, some of the sackings in football ridiculous. are ridiculous. But that's to be top of the tree. I mean, to go and lose a playoff semi-final, you know, against the eventual winners, by the way. Coventry last year and then obviously you know getting sacked after seven games I mean it's just he deserves everything he gets Alanardi yeah we're um we're feeling it with you I think at the same time as we said to you Joe about Bolton that not knowing what you can do and feeling like you've got no power but it could hopefully fingers crossed it will all work out well in the end if and when he goes Adrian Yes. Thank you. No, I mean, just thank you, no, thank you for pointing out my inadequacies in life. Uh, Joe, as always, I hope you nobble him tonight. 
when he's when he's in front of you on that pitch, just give him a little dig from me. I don't mind if there's a, a flaying out. No, oh, clearly, I don't want you hurt. Do you have Adrian, a gr- Grobble Arm McManaman type spat? Yeah. Yes. Do it. <laughs> I film it for social. We all know how well that goes. But, Sean, mostly to you, a delight. Thank you very much. Whatever you go and do next, I hope you stay within the media because the media needs you too. From me and Abby, apologies for all the edits. Goodbye. You've been listening to the Totally Football League Show, a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, email sales at muddykneesmedia.com and be sure to check out our other football shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Audio Boom, and everywhere else you get your audio on demand. Supporting your team can be a beautiful thing, but then come the injuries, the goal droughts, and the downright disastrous defeats. That's a little bit like life, really. And here at the Totally Football Show, we believe we should all support each other the way we support our team, through the good days and the bad. And that's why we're continuing to work with Calm, the campaign against living miserably, a charity dedicated to preventing male suicide. On average, 12 men take their own life every day in the UK. So that's your starting 11 and your manager every single day. And part of the problem is that many of us still feel uncomfortable talking about mental health and suicide, and this can often stop men from opening up and getting support when they need it the most. So if you're worried that someone close to you is having a tough time, check in with them and let them know that Calm is there. Every day from 5pm till midnight, Calm provide a free, confidential and anonymous helpline and web chat for any man who needs support. Visit thecalmzone.net to find out more about Calm.